Welcome to Stories with Soul. I am your host, Jamie Ice, musician turned entrepreneur and co-founder of 6th Ave Homes and 6th Ave Storytelling. Over the past 10 years, I have launched multiple successful businesses and have become obsessed with all things entrepreneurship and marketing. I've been on a personal quest to unpack what it takes to make and grow a great brand. One thing that I've discovered is that stories are powerful and that storytelling has the power to set a brand apart. Join me as I dive into the stories of the heavy-hitting leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and business owners in our community to hear their biggest wins, greatest losses, and their best business secrets. There's a story behind every great brand. Welcome to Stories with Soul. Stories with Soul is brought to you by 6th Ave Storytelling, an organic marketing company building standout brands on the foundation of story. We help small businesses grow by crafting and sharing their stories because when small business thrives, cities and communities prosper. Stories with Soul is brought to you by the Fort Worth Business Press, your source for news and business information in and around Fort Worth. Sign up for the Business Press's twice daily newsletter or become an insider using the storytelling coupon code STORYTELLING10, all one word, to stay up to date with the people, companies, and issues that matter most to Fort Worth. Head to fortworthbusiness.com to subscribe. I am a huge fan of the Business Press. I've been a subscriber for years. It keeps me up to date with everything that is going on in Fort Worth. Love it. Go subscribe for the newsletter. You won't regret it. Welcome to Stories of Soul. I am your host, Jamie Ice. I'm joined by Jimmy Williams. And we have the legendary Betsy Price in the house today. I want to read your bio real quick. Just You're welcome, Jack, but I'm sure it's boring. Uh, well, I don't know that anybody doesn't know who you are. I, I think... Yeah, that's a pretty good assumption right there. <laughs> I think there's yeah. no one that does know you, but I'm going to read it just because we have it. And uh, so after running her own successful business for 17 years, which I want to hear a little bit more about, uh, Betsy turned to public service and was first elected in 2000 to serve as the county tax assessor. Not afraid to ask tough questions, Betsy made her department one of the most efficient in Texas, saving taxpayers millions of dollars, serving as Fort Worth mayor for a decade, which is crazy. Uh, Betsy excelled at improving the basic services of her growing city with stronger public safety, fiscal responsibility, and job growth. She accomplished this while also reducing the city's property tax rate by 12%, one of the largest tax cuts among Texas cities. You earned a bachelor's degree from the University of Texas at Arlington, together with Tom, her husband of 49 years, which that is incredible. It's a long time. We're yeah. going to get you some, some marriage advice here in a little bit, <laughs> too. You have three adult children, Catherine, Philip, and Paul, and you've been an active member of your church for four decades and in her spare time you are an avid cyclist when we think a lot of people know uh, competitive clay shooter uh, which I did not know um, but we were talking a little bit about that earlier and enjoyed spending quality time with her many grandchildren how, how many grandkids do you have six 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 oh. well wh- wh- I am so <coughs> glad you're here I'm delighted to be here thank y'all both for having me yeah so I so where I want to so, so one of the things I'm, I'm most excited about I, I have I've known you for a a, a long time a long Jackie. time since I was I was probably in middle school yeah so you're yeah. you're you might have been late elementary maybe late elementary so you're Philip is your middle son right no Philip is my youngest young youngest okay mm-hmm. and he was best friends in elementary school and middle school mm-hmm. with my little brother Jeff. Mm-hmm. And so I always just knew you as Philip's mom. 
We went to South Padre together. We when, did. When we, we were went kids. down. Y'all body surfed and yeah, we body surfed. <laughs> fished, and we just had a big time. And, and so, I, I think the the thing that was crazy for me, to, as as like a middle you know middle school boy, and this is my friend's mom, to see you just from that to like who you are now, this iconic institution in Fort Worth, like how, and, and I remember when you first ran for tax assessor mm-hmm. and, and I'm, you, did you have a Suburban or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. It had a, the, put the big yellow signs on it. We had the big on. yellow signs on it and yeah. big yellow signs on Tom's truck. And, and, and we put it, we put them in our yard, but, <clears> but just, I want to know the backstory. I think everyone knows you as the mayor. Everyone like you've done, and you're probably like one of the most liked mayors we've ever had. You just did a lot, but I, I don't understand how you are wired to have done what you did. And so I, I would love to just start like, where does that, where did that come from? Gosh, I'm not sure I know how I'm wired <laughs> either some days. <laughs> you know, a lot of people have heard me say this probably, but maybe not. Uh, I grew up in a family that's a small, my dad was a small business owner, a car dealer. And my mother had four kids, they had four kids and she was classic volunteer parent, you know, PTA, Mm -hmm. Cub Scouts, Campfire, all that Sunday school, all of that. And they always said, you have to take whatever talents you've been given, whether it's money, personality, looks, passion, whatever, and give something back to your community. And I've always volunteered. I mean, I was, oh, I ran my own business, but I had, was junior league member, woman's club, taught Sunday school at UCC, was Cub Scout. Jeff was in, your brother Jeff was okay. in my Cub Scout group. I think, were you, were you also like my uh, Sunday school teacher? I was your yeah, Sunday well, school teacher at one point. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay. But, so so uh, I, I kind of got into it through the volunteer route. And I never intended to get into politics. I just liked having my business and doing stuff on the side and volunteering and making the city better, making our area better. And my business put me in with the tax office. I had a company that did title and licensing and property tax work for the car dealers in town. And I kept saying, so be careful what you say, but I kept saying this office, the tax office is so poorly run. Mm -hmm. Somebody ought to fix it. And I said that for a year or more, and finally a couple of the car dealers set me down and said, stop saying somebody ought to fix it. You need to fix it. And I thought, I'd have to run for office to do that. And went home, Tom went, are, are you out of your mind? <laughs> run for public office? But the more we talked about it, the more we said, maybe this is the right thing to do. And you legitimately never had thought about public no, office before No, I never that. had. I've always ne- thought it was I'd, never you know, an I'd worked on people's campaigns. I'd worked on Bob Boland's campaigns and what do you mean? What do you mean by worked on their campaigns? Volunteered, knocked doors for them, made phone calls, and put you, out signs. Did people tell you, like, you should do this? I mean, before that? Like, that it was in, like, you what, should go into What politics. my friends all said and all my business associates at the time before they started drafting me for taxes said, because I was passionate about schools. Okay. I served on two or three superintendents' committees and school board appointee appointed committees and people said we always thought you'd run for school board and that that was your passion that's Mm -hmm. still my passion Mm -hmm. is education but I just said no I don't want to do that I'm not going to do that then this came around and I did it and so you said you said yes to yeah it took six months to get me to say yes and then I did, and we shaped that office up. The average wait time in that office when I took office was 43 minutes. Okay. And when I left, the average wait time was seven minutes. And Made it had, speedy. Had <laughs> cut the budget by 
several hundred thousand dollars and while we gained 200,000 accounts and cut the staffing and still delivered the service. And we added credit cards. I mean, that was 2000 when I was elected and the government offices didn't take credit cards, didn't do ACH transfers or anything. It was all like old school checks. It was all old school checks. Yeah. And it was they couldn't process the checks. It was so slow. It was wasting money and time. And so we changed all that. And we were on the cutting. I always said we were on the cutting edge. And the, our banker was at Chase for the county. And he always said, because they were our partner, we were further along than they were. Mm-hmm. We did a big pilot with them. He said, no, we're on the bleeding edge and down about a pint. Yes. So, <laughs> But my That's staff, you know, I just always said, guess you can't you can't work here unless you're willing to serve the public and unless you want to be creative and innovative. We're not doing business as usual. Wow. And you, you shook, th- shook things up? Shook them up. Yeah. Oh, OK, so I have I have a, like 20 questions from. <laughs> so I, w- I want to go back to that, that. So that bit of advice you said your mom, your mom told you that. Mm-hmm. But as, as a kid, did that mean anything to you? Like you don't really know. Did that register as a as a child? Or yeah, I, th- I think it probably did because my mother was real involved in the community. My dad worked all kinds of odd hours. I mean, as it owned his own business. Yeah. And he she, so sold cars. Mm-hmm, he was a car dealer. And what, what did, car and what was your mom doing? She was full-time mother, and okay. homemaker and volunteer. So she volunteered. She did campfire girls and Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts and PTA and all of those things, too. And mm-hmm. and she sewed. She was a seamstress. She had a degree in fashion design. And oh, really? She made all That's kinds of wonderful things for us girls. And my brother, she bought all his stuff. <laughs> so, when, But you but you remember her giving that advice. But I remember advice. her saying that to us over and over. And I remember going to things with her when I was little and watching her be involved and run meetings and things and thinking, yeah, this is kind of cool. Uh-huh. You know, and it, I, it just sunk in. The first time I can remember really volunteering when I was seventh grade. Oh, wow. Early. I taught swimming lessons at the old Elks Club to blind kids. Oh, wow. Well, that was among the first for, I think that was through an Optimus deal. My dad had a friend who was in the Optimus Club, and mm-hmm. they got us to come volunteer. Wow. And so this idea of serving and giving back. It's and, just kind of in my DNA. Okay, okay, my other part of your DNA. You have, so you one, you're charismatic, and you have well, thank you. more energy than the average per. Like, yeah. were you always like that as a kid? Like, was Pretty that, much, yeah. And was that was that something that you just were born with, or was it because you, your, your dad, I'm assuming? My father was, my mother was real quiet and was really smart. She was a member of Menza, the genius group. Oh. Oh, really? And she was. And my dad was very charismatic. He's selling cars. Everybody knew He's wine. a car salesman. Yeah, he was a carman, yeah. you know, and, and had been in the military. And he just, he and I were kind of two peas in a pod. And, and where are you at in the... In I'm the, the fourth. You're the, the four so you're, kids. So I'm you're the, baby. the baby. The babies are the best, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I kind of come by it honestly. Uh-huh. I mean, I had a lot of energy always. And I guess I've always had that personality. Did they say you My were... oldest sister is 10 years older than me. When I was sworn in the first time, as tax assessor said to... She did my swearing in. And she said to the audience, said, she's all yours. She's bossed us all her life. <laughs> now ask. she can boss y'all. <laughs> Ask if you were bossy or driven. Yeah. No, I was both. Have you uh, have you heard the the anecdote from uh, what's her name? Cheryl Sandberg, COO of Facebook, talks about how how we call uh, young girls bossy, yeah, bossy, but like but young men are driven. Are driven, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. We 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 joke about that. And I house. think that'll go away at some point. Yeah. I hope, but you know, but was I just, that was that you? You were, you were yeah. 
telling people what to do? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I was president of my sorority in high, in uh, college and high school charity clubs was an officer in that. I think was president of the FHA, which future homemakers and just kind of, I love people. Yeah, I've always been fascinated by people. What makes them tick and how do you motivate people? How do you lead them to do what you want them to do? And not not that you they're going to do what you want to, but how do you get people to do the right? Thing? Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a difference between being fascinated with people and being able to lead people. Yeah, like some people just naturally. It's <laughs> everything you said. You're like I was a president. I was in charge of this. Yeah, sounds like like you just took charge and ran with it. Pretty much. People, I, people I was follow bossy, you. Remember. But people, I I was blessed. I've always been able to get people. I mean, I I just truly love people, and I've always been able to have people working for me and helping me and volunteering mm-hmm. and because it's not bossing it's it's motivating it's motivating yeah and, it, and, it, and it's coming alongside people and I've never been afraid to do anything I'm not going to ask you to do something that I wouldn't do or that I haven't already done mm-hmm. I don't believe as a leader that you set yourself anywhere on a pedestal you lead from the bottom mm-hmm. the best leaders lead listen to the people in the bottom and work their way up mm-hmm. and is that something you had to learn or is that something that probably not being the fourth of you know four I was low on the pecking order and uh-huh. I had to figure out how to get what I wanted truly yeah. lead from the bottom yeah because <laughs> you were the youngest <laughs> so so when so went to college and when did you and Tom meet I met Tom in high school we went to high oh, school together, high school but I really had one date with him in high school and it was as he said you were much more I was big in horses and rode horseback and you were much more into horses than you were into the guys and I said yeah, and you were a lot more into football than you were into the gals. Uh-huh. But I dated his best friend for a long time in high school. And then I met him when I I went to tech for two years and okay. came back home at one summer and went to UTA for summer school. Yeah. Ran into him at a fraternity party again and decided to stay at UTA because he was there. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. That was the motivating. I was home from tech because that was 70 one, I guess, and the car business took a serious nosedive, and my parents had three in college at the same time. Oh, wow. They said, you're the youngest, you're the, the others were seniors and second semester juniors, and they said, you can come home for a while mm-hmm. and go back, and I just never went back. Oh, you never went back? Never went back to tech. I oh, went to, to tech, UTI. okay. okay. Yeah. And what, what, did, what did you study? Uh, pre-vet animal science. My degree is in biology and animal science. Animal science? And I was going to vet school and actually got accepted at A&M in one of the first classes at the vet school that had would have had women in it. No. Oh, wow. But we decided we'd rather get married and go to work. Than oh, so that, so that was sort of the, the mm-hmm. motivating factor mm-hmm. was y'all wanted to get you married. You always say, we make plans and, and God laughs and yep. says, yeah. I got other plans for you. So. Wow. So y'all got married. Mm-hmm. In and 72. Then, This episode of Stories with Soul is brought to you by 6th Ave Storytelling. 6th Ave Storytelling, we know that stories aren't just for bedtime, they're powerful marketing tools, and we've seen what they can do. Want to see for yourself? Download our free PDF, The Storytelling Pathway, on our website, 6thAveStorytelling.com. It's everything your business needs to be successful. This is what I've used to grow my businesses and hundreds of others. It's a strategy that has led to number one albums, built large followings, and has helped generate millions of dollars in revenue, thousands of leads, and tons and tons of traffic. I've seen client after client reach their goals, which is why I'm crazy excited to share it with you today. I'm offering this for free because it's my personal mission to support small business owners and entrepreneurs no matter where they are at on their journey. 
because small businesses are the heartbeat of a city and they really are what make it special. Sixth Avenue Storytelling has helped brands across the country grow their business using these exact steps. Head to sixthavstorytelling.com and download the storytelling pathway to get your step-by-step guide today. Stories with Soul is brought to you by Fort Worth Business Press. The Fort Worth Business Press has been instrumental for me as a business owner. They were actually the first publication to ever cover Sixth Avenue Homes and also Sixth Avenue Storytelling, which were huge, huge wins for our companies. I also have been following along for years. I've been a subscriber. It has allowed me to keep up to date with everything that is happening in the business community and see what other business owners are doing and just stay involved in all sort of the economic development of what is happening in Fort Worth. If you are in any way involved in business, you should go subscribe and sign up for their publication, uh, sign up for their twice daily newsletter. And, and, and they're actually offering a storytelling discount right now. If you listen to the podcast, become an insider using the storytelling code storytelling 10, all one word, lowercase, to stay up to date with the people and companies and issues that matter most. Visit fortworthbusinesspress.com to sign up today. And then, and when did you start your your business? You know, first I worked, we went, Tom took a job in Beaumont. We lived in Beaumont for nearly three years, Beaumont, Port Arthur area. And I uh-huh. worked for Texas Employment Commission then. Okay. We came back up here and I worked for my dad at his dealership for good little while. And, and what, what were you doing there? Just kind of doing, uh, working in his office, doing clerical help and stuff. Just okay. and. I had three ki- I had two kids at that point. I had Catherine and Paul, and then seven years later we had Philip. Mm-hmm. And I started that business. I don't know what year I started the business in the early mid nineties, I guess, kind of as a spinoff from working for my Do, dad. And were you doing? You you already the, you were doing the title work mm-hmm. for cars, mm-hmm. okay? And I was started doing some property tax work for him. And were you were you entrepreneurial at all? Yeah, pretty. Yeah, always. Just, my dad was a true entrepreneur. Oh, he never really? worked for anybody. Always had his own business from a garage. I mean, was in the military, and then he had a garage in the small town where they were for, from and saw a niche after World War II that Fort Worth was going to boom. And they came to Fort Worth in 45 and opened his own business. He oh, and said, he came to Fort Worth mm-hmm. like opportunistically. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, this he said, this gonna... is a spot for a good entrepreneur. Interesting. He told and you that like as a kid. Like, yeah. He built really? a big business. So, and we, it just kind of was in our family. My grandfather was an entrepreneur and my brother is, you know, my would, would Tom you, is. Tom works yeah. for himself. So. Yeah, he started, he has, yeah, his own. has his own insurance agency. And did, did he start that around the same time? Tom actually started his agency in 80, 1980. Okay. Decided he didn't. He was a claims adjuster for Farm Bureau and he was tired of working for corporate. He wanted to do his own thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. He, we rubbed off on him, my family. I, I'm, I'm going to interrupt. Do you, okay, whenever... Uh, you need to describe yourself for me because I'm trying, you know, you have these stereotypes of, okay, I'm imagining you have two kids, three kids where you started your business, three, mm-hmm. three at the time you started. I had two when I started it. When you had started a third it. one later. Okay. But from what you're describing, you probably are volunteering at every one of your kids' schools yep. and pouring countless hours into some other organizations. Taking them and picking them back up. Yeah. Taking them yeah. and doing everything because you're... And you now you're starting your own business, working for yourself. And we, 
are, are interviewing business owners, a lot of entrepreneurs here that are just like talking about how they're just so swamped. They don't even have kids in the mix yet. And, but I'm imagining you are, are like, are you the super mom that just decided I'm just going to create this business? Are you more of an entrepreneur that still just has a love for their kids? Are you like, if you had to define yourself of like, how would you describe yourself at that moment where you're, you're being a mom, super mom, volunteering, you're still serving, I'm sure in some sort of capacity. And then you're deciding to start your own business. And most people will be like, I'm just an entrepreneur. Most, or I'm just a mom that happened to do this, or I'm, how would you describe yourself in that time well, period? My family's always most important. My okay. kids and my husband were the most important thing in my life and still are, my mm-hmm. grandkids now. And I wanted something that I could control the hours in. I could okay. control the amount of time that I could still be there to be their campfire leader or their Cub Scout leader, that I could still... Uh, be at their games on the weekends or on, in the evenings or at dance recitals. And sure. I, I thought the only way I'm going to be able to do that is to control my own destiny. Okay. And that's to start my business. Yeah. And I didn't get much sleep because I'm a notorious night owl. Not so much now, but I used to be. And so I'd get everybody to bed and start doing my work for the next day oh, at, at night. night and work till maybe one o'clock at night and then get it all buttoned up, so to speak, to go to the courthouse. And I'd get up get everybody dressed, drive them to school and and go. Uh And then Philip came along and I had a a woman who helped me. She'd sometimes go to the courthouse and sometimes babysit Philip. And I had another girl who worked for us some too. So it just kind of came because I wanted to control the amount of time. So it's a control, it's a control thing. Going back to a little bit. Yeah. It's an entrepreneurial thing because I liked being able to create something, yeah. but it's also a, a bit about controlling, being able to control. You my want own. your own destiny. I want to control my own destiny. And do it your own yeah. way. Yeah. And did that, I'm assuming that carried into, I I could do public office, my, like, I think there's a better way to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really. I mean, I having run a business and volunteered and run a home, and there, you know, you may or may not realize that you guys do. You all have kids. There's a lot to run in a household. Yes. And I mean, you got a groceries, and you got clothes, and yeah. bedtime, and keeping the house up, and all the events, and your friends, and all, and it just all comes together and, and gives you a, a really depth of experience when you've done it for a long time mm-hmm. that if you're smart, you can translate it to something else. Sure. And that's what I did. And when I was elected tax assessor, you know, I thought, okay, well, this isn't much different than running seven offices countywide, but it wasn't a whole lot different than 180 employees than running my business, which was small and running my family's life. Did you, did you step down from your business? I did. You did. I so did. you, mm-hmm. I'm assuming gave up a income and you worked really hard for this thing. I did. Um, and we did have smaller children then, but the good news was the tax assessor's office is an administrative position. It's a full-time job. Mm-hmm. At Most county offices are, and it has a salary. I mean, I can't remember what I was making when I first started, but when I left, it was like 132000 It's a, 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 a good paying job. job. Yeah. yeah, But I mean, I worked... I'm, I'm a workaholic, I guess, but I would work... <laughs> about 10 hours a day and then a half day on Saturday unless the kids had a game and then I'd go in after game and work wow. at least the first six or eight years till we got 
everything yeah. kind of rolling. Then I cut it back and worked about eight or nine hours a day. That's a lot. But you were still there. You were always there. And I, was there. I was there. I was always there. Picking us up yep. and all that. I'd take off and leave the office and go pick up kids and take y'all to sports or, or activities and then go back down there at night. You know, when everybody was fed. So when you so when you came into in, into the tax assessor's office, you you came in because you were frustrated. Yeah. You were like, this is broken. This is inefficient. Well, it's, it's our dollars. It's our, you know, it's everybody goes to tax office. Everybody's got a license or car. Yeah, you're always, yeah. And everybody that owns property has to pay their property tax bill. And the other thing nobody realizes is the tax assessor signs all the liquor licenses. Oh, interesting. For the county. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Yeah, Philip went when he turned 21, did a roll bar party and came home when he could speak the next morning. He said, Mother, your name's <laughs> on every gin joint in town. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So did you ruffle some feathers? Oh, I mean, yeah. And yeah. they were like, who is this mom coming yeah. in like did you have any idea like and you said there was like 180 people mm-hmm. that's a that's a big it's jump a big operation yeah that's a i mean did you i knew a lot of them because my business had you were put doing me in the that. tax office yeah. three days a week so i'd gotten to know a lot of the staff and i knew their frustrations with what was going on i knew those who were just biding time till they could retire. And I knew those who were chomping at the bits to be cut loose to make it more efficient. Mm-hmm. So how what did you do? What was your like? We just kind of, I, I knew where the, ho- I, I'd been involved with them long enough that I could see where the holes were first on the motor vehicle side. Yeah. And that was an easy change because that was my business. Uh-huh. On the property tax side, it was a little more of a learning curve because I'd kind of helped my dealers but didn't know that and I had to go to school because Tarrant County had never had a licensed tax assessor before they had a exemption because the prior tax assessor couldn't pass her exam okay (laughs) you had three chances to pass it and they got an exemption that she was an administrator and and even to today large counties are exempt from the tax elected official doing it but I did it anyway it was 140 138 hours of classroom work. So you... And I got it, my license in 18 months. Holy cow. First licensed one in Tarrant County. Were you just exhausted? Property, pretty much, yeah. Because yeah. I you, had to go to Austin all the time for... Did you feel... Did you, at any point, did you regret it? Were you like... No, I what? didn't regret it. You I did learned it. Okay. so much. And it was such a good... I mean, the motor vehicle side, I learned and met so many wonderful people. The property tax side, I learned and met so many people. And then when I was recruited to run for mayor, that was a real stepping stone to know how tax code works and how, how the, it all yeah, the that's huge. base, the financial base for the city works. Was there ever a point where you're like, I, did you feel overwhelmed at all in terms of like, what am I, do I, I now have 180 people? No, this I'm is, probably stupid enough. It didn't ever cross my mind to be overwhelmed. <laughs> so would you say that's confidence or like naivety or it's just, probably both. or, yeah, I, I, I want to take a step back and well, two, two questions. One is like, you know, you said, Jamie asked, did you ruffle some feathers? And you said, yes, we didn't really d- dive into that. So, like, what what is your reputation coming into public office? Like, is 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 historically tax assessor, is that something that you, like, work kind of into? Like, you w- get into a public office position of some sorts and you kind of work your way up? And was it like, 
who is this lady? She, uh, you know, private business owner coming in. Yeah, like, I mean, it's the that? tax assessor's been both, but historically, it's somebody that's either been involved with the Democrat or the Republican Party, mm-hmm. or somebody that's held another office because it's a big operation. Yeah, it's a. So was that big? Three, for, is that big for you to jump into that? Mm-hmm. I ran against uh, the party chairman, the Republican Party chairman, and a couple of other people. Uh, wow. And he just assumed because he had been involved with the party chairman that it was his office. And uh-huh. and that one of the other guys was a guy that had worked for one of the law firms that did delinquent tax collections. And he just assumed because he knew them all, it was his. And none and of you them shook had them a all plan. Up. Well, none of them had a plan to improve the office. It was just business as usual. Uh-huh, just and the job. public was frustrated with the office. Yeah. Well, that was my next and question is how do you how do you go from volunteering at schools, like spending time with your family you know, running your own business to like, it, there's no book on how to run a campaign. I mean, I know there, well, there probably is, there's probably a million books, probably but are. How, how do you, how do you jump from that? What was that? Like, okay, I'm going to run. Well, like now what, what, what was those, what are those next steps? I remember going to see, I talked to some friends that had been involved in politics and one of them was one of the county commissioners who's still a dear friend of mine who's retiring this year after 30 something years. And he just said, and then another friend of mine who's a judge and they said, hire a consultant, but you, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure out how you're going to tackle this and who's going to fund it. And I went to see probably the biggest political consultant at the time in Tarrant County. And he said, you can't do this. You don't have the political name ID. You haven't been involved in the party. I said, I've got a strong, I've never voted anything but Republican yeah. in all my years. And I've always voted. He said, well, that's not enough. The party doesn't know you. The community. Yeah. You've never done you. any of this before. Yeah. And he said, I just don't think you can do it. Don't think you've got the political name ID to do it. And I said, it made me mad. Did they egg you on? And I said, well, then you just need to sit back and watch. And so we That's what I'm talking about. Right? Born, born telling them, shut your mouth. Yeah, a I'm different doing consultant. You need to sit back and watch. You can do this. And um, so we did. And afterwards, this other consultant who said no when I won and won handily said, I have never in my life seen a grassroots organization like yours. And he'd been doing this 25 years at that point. He said, you had every PTA mom in town. You had every soccer (laughs) mom in town. You had all the baseball dads helping. Uh You had all the Sunday school teachers. You had every junior league mother. He said, everywhere we went, there were people with signs on their cars that said, vote for Betsy. And they were waving. He said, every carpool mom in the county knew you. And he said it was incredible to watch the grassroots support that came out. I said, I told you we could win this. And he said they all went to vote and they took all their friends. And the party got found out a good lesson, work with grassroots people. Yeah. And I think people were excited. I think people were probably excited. excited. This is is a mom. This This is is one of us. Yeah. 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 It wasn't business as usual. Yeah. It wasn't just another. For me, this has never been about politics. I never wanted to be a politician. It's about service. Mm-hmm. I knew we could make a change in the tax office that would serve the citizens well. Mm-hmm. When I ran for mayor, it was the same thing. I knew the city needed changing. And in needed, what in what way? How so? Well, for one thing, the city's finances were in terrible shape, and they had to be straightened out. And the city pension was in awful shape. I mean, the we were in danger of either not having a pension or having a tax rate that was so high the citizens mm-hmm. couldn't afford it. And, you, and Fort Worth had the highest tax rate already of any large urban city. 
And I knew that was not sustainable any longer. And it was frustrating. And I wasn't looking to run for mayor. I got recruited to run for mayor. How, how does said, one get recruited to run for mayor? Like, well, a group who, of people. Who, says, who makes that choice? <laughs> Nobody, not any one person, but a group of people who were politically involved yeah. in the city and had the city's best interests at heart kept coming and saying, you need to do this. You've got a reputation for being a bit of a fixer because you fixed the tax office. And you lowered taxes yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did. We made it more efficient. And they said in the city's finances, and you straightened out the tax office finances, you're well known. You've got a name ID that people appreciate what you've done. And you got to come to the city and solve it. When I took office, we had a $50 million, $49 million. The city was $49 million in the hole that was unaccounted for. Whoa. Just essentially their bookkeeper kept saying it's not lost, which just a accounting area. How do you have a $50 million accounting? Overspending. Okay. Without knowing what's coming. And then we had a growing almost billion dollar liability on our pension Mm -hmm. and no one had tackled the pension. And I understand why they haven't. I understand why it hadn't been done, but... It just wasn't done, and and I knew that we had to settle it. I mean, I had a family here and a business, and Tom had a business, and our kids were going to live here, and I knew the liability we were putting on the citizens was not sustainable, Mm -hmm. and we wouldn't recruit new businesses if we stayed where we were. So So we tackled the pension and police and fire. Hated me. I campaigned for how, fixing it. Because how how did you fi- how do you fix when I like left? That? They liked me, but yeah. <laughs> well, we knew that we were going to have to address overtime issues that were being gamed into the pension. We were going to have to address their contributions, the city contributions. It's very multi pronged, and it took five or six years to get it settled. And now they understand they'll have a pension. And they understand that we can continue to grow the force, both fire and police, because we the city can recruit new businesses and have people coming in, and the city's in firm financial shape. Mm-hmm. Well, and to speaking of that personally, like I, I mean, I remember that, and and you it know, was a fight. Yeah, it, it was a fight, but I mean, it, it was a matter of is is this going to be sustainable? Mm-hmm. And whenever it wasn't sustainable where we were, the, the police officers that were retiring at the time, they have a great pension, mm-hmm. but. But the young ones were the not. young ones were not going to have anything. And how do we sustain this over a long period of time? And then I think whenever everybody kind of got the saw the writing on the wall, where it's like this is going to hurt now. I mean, I don't get what yep. this guy retired when he retired five years ago. I won't get that pension. But I'm watching Houston. I'm watching Austin. I'm watching watching all these other big cities just get crushed. And And we were the only big city to tackle the pension and settle it locally and get it stable. Every other major city in the state, the the legislature weighed in and settled it and saddled them with huge liability for the city finances. Wow, so you you fixed it. Yeah, we fixed it. And we got police and fire on board and at first— they weren't because the old guard was kind of controlling it because they were about to retire. But we mm-hmm. didn't touch what they'd already done. It mm-hmm. was going it was going forward, not retrogressive. Mm-hmm. And now they all understand, just like you said, the younger officers are thankful to have a good pension. Yeah, I mean, it was it was, uh, you know, it's it just was a, a battle. Yeah, it was a battle and it was frustrating and everybody was trying to, you know, scrap scrapping for what they mm-hmm. they've earned, you know, what they were promised because, mm-hmm. you know, and these we guys didn't are, cut what they were promised. Yeah. And that, that was a, that was the other thing. But I mean, I think whenever you had leaders like Manny and, and mm-hmm. some of these people mm-hmm. kind of stepping in, I, which I who I love, I think he's a great, great leader for organization and everything. But Manny's great. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, that was just something that I, I, again, whenever you start seeing all these other cities where it's like, 
oh, these, these guys were promised a pension or this employee was promised a pension. And then it was just cut completely overnight. Everybody's like, okay, and we, we got to do something. They did that Play. too. I mean, the, the legislature did that. And the other piece was they had historically, because general employees, water, parks, mm-hmm. rec, all of those aren't unionized. Mm-hmm. They had cut a lot of pension benefits on the backs of other city employees. Yep. And that made a huge break in yeah. the employee ranks. Mm-hmm. People just couldn't stand it. Mm-hmm. And it now it's pretty it's it's not perfect, but it's it's close and it's getting better every year. Yep. Yeah. And it's it was a it was a huge win. And the first year um when I was running the P, then POA president and the president of the 440, which is fires unit, said, we will not lose this race. They had a candidate in the race. And they so said, they were running against they you. They said, we had never lost a race that we got in and we will not lose to you. And of course I said, well, you will. Just watch. You, know, we, we, you, we, you will. We yeah. intend to win this race. I, mean, I wouldn't a, be so, in it if we didn't think we could win it. And I said, and it's the right thing to do for the citizens of Fort Worth. Yeah. So take me back. So you have some friends, people approaching. As Tom you. said, when we took our first pension vote one night, late at night, at one o'clock in the morning, I got home. He said, "Well, you better hope our house doesn't burn down. Fire <laughs> they ain't coming. Fire's not you, coming. <laughs> you better not speed tomorrow or run stop signs because you're gonna get a big ticket." Oh wow! <laughs> but they got they got used to it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Knew that we had their hearts and their pensions and their livelihoods in the right. Yeah, it's yeah. So t- t- take me back to some, some some people approach you say we think you should run. What are, are you like? Heck yeah, I can do that. No, no, pro- no. I was like, no, I don't. I'm not going to do that. It's a total different level from tax assessor. Mm-hmm. I pretty much had the tax office. I think that may be my phone vibrating. Oh, Unfortunately, I thought it was off. <laughs> but um, I said, I've got the tax office in good shape. You know, I'm down to working eight or ten hours a day. And it's just still a lot of hours. Yeah, it's still a lot. It's, still, it's like know. normal hours. I, when I'm I working do fifty hours a week. <laughs> When yeah. I do something, I do it all in. Yeah. Always have. You go. Um, and I just kept saying, no, I'm not. And mayor is 24-7. Everybody knows you. Everybody recognizes you. Mm-hmm. And the mayor's job doesn't pay. I mean, it pays 29000 a year. And, which is absurd. Which is absurd. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I lost 110000 right off the bat. Yeah, after already shutting down your business. Yeah. After shutting down my business, which, but it's not about the money. It's yeah. never been about the money for me. It's about the service. And I spent six months saying no to people that were recruiting me. And finally, so what, 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 what put well, you over the, the kids edge? Were, our kids were convinced I should do it. And how old were the kids at the time? They were, Catherine was married out of college. Paul was in college and Philip was High school, I guess. And they they told you to do it? Maybe he, was he in high school? Or, I don't know. It was 2011. So yeah. I guess he was college already. Okay. Um, I guess Paul was out of college and Phil, Philip was in college. They said, why not, Mom? You've done a great job in the tax office. You just ought to do it. And Tom was a little reluctant. He was like, you know, this, you're giving up all your anonymity. Everybody, it's just totally different. Yeah. But it kept coming. And we finally said, maybe there's something here we need to look at. And yeah. finally went to see our minister and sat down and he said, I've been waiting for you to come in here because there's a door open for you, and I truly believe you ought to step through it. Whoa. He said that to you? Yeah. And he laughed and said, but step through it and tell me what the temperature is, and I'll tell you who opened it. (laughs) (laughs) He had a really good sense of humor at the time. That's awesome. So we finally sat back and started looking at it and said, well, why not? 
I mean, really and truly, we're going to live here all our lives. And, you know, we're both born or I was born here. Tom moved here when he was four months old. Um, and our kids are all here and we want the city to be stable and we want the city to be a place where people want to be. Mm-hmm. So why not? Then I served, never intending to serve 10 years. Yeah, and that's the longest That's running. the longest serving mayor ever in the history of Fort Worth. And I just always assumed I would Cause serve it, cause four, if, six years and Because if done. you do something, you're going, you're going hard. Yeah. Is the, uh, it's the theme. It's the theme. <laughs> the theme's going here. But, and I, you know, I was blessed with being out. I go out in the community all the time. I don't think you govern very well behind a desk. I think you have to be where people But you sort of reestablished. I mean, I felt like you took the responsibilities of a mayor and turned it up to 11. Pretty much. Right. I mean, no one had done, did what you did. We had not had since, we had not had good public engagement. People felt like their governance was detached from them. Yeah. That if you, I mean, truly the average citizen just felt like they... I mean, they, they loved Mike, but they felt mm-hmm. like they just couldn't get to him. And yeah. and that's, you know, Mike had done it a long time. He did a nice job. but And their council members were a little detached. And I felt like that was not the way to grow this city, that to get out, whether it was walking or riding or running or just going to their town halls or walking in their neighborhoods, it gave me a total different perspective on what people needed mm-hmm. and what they wanted in their city. I remember when you started doing that, and I was like, "This is because again, like tra- traditionally, as as a as a young person, mm-hmm. I, I'm in college or high. Like when I think of city council, like these men in buildings that are mm-hmm. distant from me, um, and it not, shouldn't be that way. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not saying that's necessarily true, but I just remember you came on the scene, and you're like doing these bicycle bike rallies and these running town halls and these, and it was just people ate it up. I mean, it, and it was crazy. It was it was like uh, the epitome of grassroots. Yeah, it was great grassroots. And it, it was, was, you know, fun. you couldn't do it if it weren't sincere. Yeah. People would see right through it. But I loved meeting the people and still love meeting yeah. the people. And but it, it was fun and vibrant. It was and- fun. I mean, we learned a lot and engaged, started Steer Fort Worth, our young leaders group, mm-hmm. because when I was elected the first time in 2011, less than 1% of the voters were under the age of 40. How terrible is that? That's insane. I mean, we're making decisions that are going to impact your life for the next 20 or 30 years, and nobody's engaged. So we started Steer Fort Worth for that reason, and they were a great group, still Mm -hmm. are. And now a couple of them are serving on council. Yeah, that's that's Mm -hmm. pretty neat. So that's pretty cool. And then just, you know, the bike rides changed in the healthy communities, the blue zones, kind of changed people's perception of Fort Worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. I agree. Was there, like... Did, were those it was a lot of work. I worked those, on average about 14 hours a day. Were those your ideas? I mean, like, how did you... I the bike like you, ones were my idea. Okay. Steer Fort Worth was my idea because I was so frustrated that I couldn't engage young people. Mm-hmm. I wanted my own children engaged. I wanted their friends engaged. And I yeah. wanted the young business leaders engaged. Uh, Blue Zones was because I was concerned about the health because I'd watched through the years... Mm-hmm. The kids in public school and the adults, a huge outbreak of diabetes and high blood pressure and obesity and everything, and knew that long term that was not healthy for a community and not healthy for you. You're not going to have good workers. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Blue Zones piece, THR, Texas Health Resources, and the Chamber were all working on some community and UNT. Uh, on some community health issues, and we kind of came together, and they 
rolled out this plan. Most of it, you know, I got a grain, a kernel of what I'm thinking about. Then somebody else kind of helps you flesh it all out. Uh-huh. Yeah. But you, but I felt like you flipped the switch on what it meant, Pro- probably in the campaign too, the initial campaign, and yeah. then, and then once you took office, I mean. Well, I beat two former council members who both thought it was their race, and then two younger guys who were political novices. What do you, what do you think the secret to that was? I, a part of it is just sheer hard work and engaging people. It's just getting out with a lot of shoe leather. The slogan was shoe leather. These boots are on uh, made for walking, and you know we had. <laughs> my price tag and then we had all the pictures of me and my boots and stuff uh-huh. walking all over town and just I, I bet we knocked 5,000 6,000 doors or more wow so you, you just outworked them yeah we just worked harder and we were we did 52 debates and just Whoa. people see when you're sincere mm-hmm. and it wasn't an entitlement you know, yeah. I didn't think it was my race. I thought it would be, yeah. could be lost pretty easily, yeah. even though I'd served as tax assessor. And I knew we just had to deliver a message people could connect to and outwork them. And your message was, I'm going to fix this. My message financial. was, we're going to put the city finances back in shape. We're going to get this city, we're going to get citizens engaged in their city. And we're going to grow this city to a place where everybody wants to live. Hmm. And it worked. And it worked. I, I, I think one of the one of the things that I ad, admire about— And we're going to cut property taxes. That was one of the big things. People like that. <laughs> and we did. One of the things I admire about you, and I feel like is, is, is one of your superpowers. I think you have a lot of superpowers. I don't know about that. But one of them is, is you have this magic ability to make people feel seen. And I— I've just been been at ev- events with you. Like you are, you're going up to everyone. You're saying hi to everyone, and I just love people. And, but there's something magic about that to 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 make someone feel known and seen. Like I, I've just like just strangers, people you've never met. You're like hugging them and saying hi and going and sitting down. Like you're talking to everyone, but not in like a a political shaking the hands sleazy. It's like when you're like when you're with someone, you're like so even if it's for like two seconds, I feel like you have some sort of magic ability to make people feel known and seen. I think you just have to you just truly have to care about people. All right, guys, we're interrupting your podcast experience once again. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But we are giving you something for free. So it's totally worth it. Yeah. We recently released a document called The Storytelling Pathway on our website. It is our playbook for success, for growing brands, for marketing. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's every literally everything that we do at Sixth Avenue Storytelling, and we want to share it with the world. We want to give it to you. So in addition to these nuggets that you're learning on this podcast, you can get our free playbook, free manual for how you grow your business from Sixth Avenue Sixth Storytelling. Storytelling. Yeah, it's that's the Storytelling, right. and it's really, really good. It's Where do you find it? It's SixthAvenueStorytelling.com. There you go. And it's good. Go get it. Go download it. I promise it's going to help your business. COVID yeah. nearly did me in because we couldn't be so face distant. to face with so many people. Yeah. And I just hated Zoom meetings because it's just, I hate Zoom meetings. <laughs> you know, but I've just made a lot of friends. I mean, I was at an event at uh, Rivercrest Country Club the other day uh-huh. and the white staff over there, I've known for years. I've yeah. seen them and I hugged them all's neck and they brought me hot tea and this and that. And somebody said, how come you're getting this stuff without asking? <laughs> because they're all friends of mine. They yeah. said, how do you know? I said, 
I just know them. And you remember everybody's names? I, I used to be better at names than I am now. Now there's so many circulating up here. But... Do you have a person that's like whispering names? No, in your I ear? don't. You know how those yeah. politicians have that? Some politicians have somebody that gives them <laughs> names. No, I don't. I just, <laughs> most of the time, the names will come to me sooner mm-hmm. or later. Mm-hmm. And it's just real rewarding. I was at lunch the other day, and it was been two or three months ago, and this young man, we were eating lunch, and we finished, and I we're waiting on our check, and he didn't bring the check. And finally, I caught his eye and uh, said, what about my check? And he said, you don't get a check today. And I said, why? And he said, I'm going to buy your lunch. No, I said, you do cool. not need to buy my lunch. Yeah. He said, yes, I do. You read to my son two years ago when he was a second, first grader and wasn't interested in school, couldn't seem to read, and you came and read to his class. And I always tell kids, you have to go home and read. Mm-hmm. You have to read to your siblings. You have to have your parents read to you. It really is the backbone of what you're going to do. And said, he took off. He came running in the house and said, Daddy, the mayor said I have to read every day, and I'm <laughs> going to do it. And he said he's top of his class now. He's fourth Whoa. grade and the best reader in the school and is, reads to his little sister all the time. And he wow. said, I want to buy your lunch. I said, you don't have to buy my lunch. But I bet that made said, you feel like a million but bucks. But it made me feel like a million oh, bucks. Oh, man, that's so cool. And I was at the grocery store the other day, and this young man came over and said, you don't remember me. I know. I was first grade, and I just graduated high school. No, he said I was second grade. I just graduated high school this year. And you came to my school and talked about what it's like to be a mayor, run your own business, and how important reading is. And he said it made a huge impact on my life. Hmm. It just almost made me cry. Yeah. Yeah. But he gave me a big hug, and I was just so thrilled. But you're you're always doing that. Like One of the things I was going to ask you about is just just how you – had the bandwidth to do like for, for and I'll give you an example of just from from me and Jimmy on a personal level like I think I think with the first time we were on a magazine or in a magazine or something like I got a handwritten note from you from I don't even know if you wrote it or not but it was from the mayor's oh office. I probably wrote it I was and, notorious for writing hundreds of notes and it was it was like I'm like I'm so proud of the the two men you guys are becoming in your business and I was like how I, I have it framed on my wall. It's like, it's, but it, it, yeah. I was like, how, one, I don't know how she <laughs> even saw that. Or had to leisurely read a magazine <laughs> and then write a note about it. And then write and mail a note. Yeah. But it's just that, that it's thoughtful. And that didn't, there's nothing, there's nothing political about that. No. It's just it, you giving. Know, I was lucky enough that people cared for me when mm-hmm. I was young and people would send me notes and thank me for things I'd done. And I, my mother always said, Three days, three minutes, three lines. That's all it takes to write somebody a note. Oh, wait, say that one more time. Three days, three minutes, three lines. No more than three days after you see it. No more than three minutes to write it. Just write three lines on the note. And she Mm -hmm. said, you can write hundreds of notes and, and let people know you care about them. Yeah. And it just stuck with me. You know, when your mother tells you something, sometimes it mm-hmm. stays in your brain and swirls yeah. around. You see, I would be like, okay, I'm operations, running a business. I'm a mayor of the city. All right, I'm assigning you. You're writing these 30 notes. I don't know who to, but you, you're you in charge of this. You're in charge of this. I don't need efficiency. Now, we and, had people but, like that. I mean, when I had big people I didn't know personally yeah, sure. and needed to thank them for something, I had a comm staff, and I'd just say every Monday in our staff meeting, I'd say, I need you to write this group of people and, and sure. this group, and then I'll pull out the ones I know personally and handwrite them or the ones I feel strongly mm-hmm. about handwriting, or you write the note and I'll write a note on it. Yeah. That's just crazy, though. The, but but that is speaking true to you. You 
you can't fake sincerity and people can mm. see right through it. And this is your heart. You it's like, how do you go to all these events? How do you have the energy? And I mean, what I keep on hearing you say is, I love this. I, do I love, I love serving me. this. It yeah. energizes you. And so how do you have the energy? Well, this is just who you are. Um, I, I guess and, God gave me a talent for connecting with people and you got to use it. Did it grow? Did like, did you, did you get more capacity and more energy and more bandwidth, the more responsibility yeah, I you think had? The more you do, the more you ha you can do. Okay. And you know, I, for, as mayor, I did have good help and I had help that could mm -hmm. help me do those things. But just, you just, your energy builds and you can just do it. Mm -hmm. I've always been like that. I mean, Tom's always said, you got to meet 20 new people a day or I can't live with you. <laughs> From the day. I'll tell you a funny story. It's give probably it, too far it to back. Us. But we were on our honeymoon and we were in San Antonio sitting on the river having breakfast one yeah. morning. And this guy came running over and grabbed me and gave me this big kiss and said, what are you doing here? I said, well, I just got married. This is my husband and yada, yada, yada. And he said, I haven't seen you for two or three years. I'm so glad to see you. And when he left, he said, congratulations on your marriage. When he left, Tom said, is that how this is going to be? <laughs> that? And I said, I don't know, honey. He was in one of my classes in school. <laughs> He said, is that how this is going to be? And I said, if he only knew. yeah, probably. If he only knew. <laughs> and 49 years later, he just rolls his eyes and laughs. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. That's a great story. What a foreshadow. <laughs> did you ever, like, how, what was, how did you, how did you stay mentally and emotionally healthy? Because to, to, to give that level of attention and focus and, like, for, as the leader, no one's checking on you. Very few people yeah. are, like, how are pouring that into you. It's like you're pouring that, like, what did, did you have any habits or things you did? Yeah, or? Uh, there were just key things. I mean, on my calendar every day mm -hmm. is TARP time. And TARP is, Tim Tarpley is my trainer. Okay. And it was usually first thing in the morning. It's a working out. Early breakfast, then it would be lunch. And if it, lunch was taken, it's later in the day. And it was non-negotiable. I had so an exercise. hour for exercise because I could get on my bike or I could get in the pool or I could lift weights. And in five minutes, if you're working hard enough at it, you've forgotten about everything else. You're focusing on how bad it hurts to do mm -hmm. that. So you had, you, had a tra so you had accountability, you had a I trainer. I had accountability, I had a trainer. And my staff knew not to mess with that time. Because you, you knew. Mm -hmm. that like exercise and is a pretty incredible incredible tool, tool. it yeah. gives you lots of energy and then i had friday nights were date night and okay. we, we didn't do anything on friday nights i ended stopped working at four or five every friday and it's the other day night every home. every week mm -hmm. on Fridays, so cool. we either went stayed home just tom and i or we'd go out with friends or sometimes we were babysitting you know <laughs> and then sundays uh after church are always family time and we didn't always see all of them at once, but we'd make time to go see. Like get together with the kids. Get together with the kids or ride our bikes over to somebody's house or something like that. And, and while occasionally I did work on Sundays, but usually if I was working on Sundays, it was something I could take grandkids to or I could Tom would go with me. Mm -hmm. But we tried to limit that because that was family time. So exercise mm -hmm. almost every day? Six days a week. Six days a week. Date nights to make yep. sure you're, you're because yep. that's like the most important relationship. Is it's like, the most important. You're going to spend more time with your spouse in your life than you yeah. ever will with your children or grandchildren. In 49 years. And you better make sure that they're your best friend. Yeah. How, how many years did you say? 49. March will be 50. That's so wow. cool. Wow. That's really cool. That's a long amazing. time. So, and y'all, I mean, he like. Put, he's put up with a heck of a lot. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. But, but I think like to still be dating each other, yeah. to still date nights yeah. every week, like that's a, that's. 
That's pretty special. Pretty, pretty awesome. It's pretty special. He's and then, pretty special. And then family time every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are you, just non-negotiable. Yeah. And you feel like that helped. Yeah. It helps your stress. Okay. Do you have time And then there? occasionally you just have to say, No. I'm done. I'm toast. Yeah. I can't do this another day. Give. I need a day off or I need... Mm-hmm. You know, I need to, I'm go. I'm not going to work till 10 o'clock tonight. I'm only going to work till 5, and I'm going home. And I'm yeah. not coming in till 9 or 10. I didn't go in real early. I usually went in about 9. What, 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 is, what is your, and you said you're a night owl. I were, was. Were I'm you not still so much a, anymore. Were you still a night owl? I no, you not okay. so much anymore. Okay. What, what I had was, too many years of having to be up early to yeah. be much of a night Kids. owl now. What, what, what is like your morning, like what do you, what do you eat and drink and do? I'm not a coffee drinker, but I drink hot tea. Hot tea? First thing I do every morning is get a cup of hot tea. Okay. I make a cup of hot tea. And I like to read. I read the paper online, the digital paper, and Mm -hmm. and scan across a couple of other news sources. Then I usually go work out. Okay. And that's usually the routine. Tom walks the dogs. He has coffee and walks the dogs. Uh Does his thing. And and then we come back get dressed and hit the road. And then go. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. It's like, Some you, days I have to go to breakfast. Like tomorrow I have to be at breakfast at 7.30, and uh, I'll yeah. come back and work out after that. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I love that that's such a big part of, of it's your... Got, it keeps me sane. Yeah. Man. Because that type of energy really creates more energy. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. exercise is one of those things that like, man, the more you do it, it really... it. it so my friends all say, well, you ought to be thin. I said, oh, no, I like good food, good wine. <laughs> yeah. Way too well to be thin. Yeah. Um, it's not about being thin anyway. It's about being fit and being, and being healthy. healthy. That's right. Healthy. That's right. Yeah. Um, what, during, during your time of mayor, what, what do you feel like the hardest season was? And it doesn't have to be a long answer if you don't want to be, but, but uh, hardest season and I guess most successful season. Oh, there were several really hard ones. Uh, when Garrett Hull was shot and killed, mm-hmm. our officer, mm. that was incredibly hard. Mm. Anyone that's ever gone through losing an officer, I can't imagine what their families go through. But mm. just the organization, it's just it's gut wrenching. These guys mm. give their life and go down in tragic situations. Yeah, uh, we had two or three other officers that were critically injured. Mm-hmm. And it was it's just gut wrenching. The uh, Tatiana Jefferson uh, mm-hmm. shooting was equally gut wrenching on the mm-hmm. other side. I mean, mm-hmm. she, a brilliant young woman lost her life in a tragic accident, and you'll have an officer. I mean, he may go to jail for sure. his life. He'll be tried shortly. Mm-hmm. Those were very trying times, and of course, then that was the shooting of a Tatiana Jefferson was just at the forerunner of all the race relation issues and that's right brought to light a lot of things um best season oh there were so many wins you know from redoing the stockyards which was a huge win to dickies to Mm -hmm. uh the being able to get butler and cavill place demolished and begin to see things coming up and cavill butler still on the table mm-hmm. how that's going to be yeah the a&m announcement uh, yeah a month or so ago was a big deal that we've been working on um just a, a lot of big wins yeah was there a moment where you're like i've made it i'm sick this is i mean this, like when you step back and like this is pretty dang cool that i've I don't know. It's hard to identify any one moment. Mm-hmm. I guess when I actually left in this past June 
and they had a big going away party for me and had 825 people showed up. That's oh a lot of people. The next morning I thought, this is almost overwhelming to think that that many people would take their evening to come out and tell me thank you. Mm-hmm. It just, it's hard to believe that <clears throat> you, you touched that lot. many people. Have you got to process that yet and kind of internalize that and be like, I'm proud of this. Yeah. Like this is, I'm, you know, I get to drive around the city now mm-hmm. and, and around the region and see things that we had a big hand in and, mm-hmm. and I, you know, it's 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 pretty cool to be able to go, oh, we had a hand in that. We yeah. were able to get that done, a new business here, and we were able to get that done, or a new process or something. It's 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 pretty cool. Yeah. Do you have anything that you feel like you're the most proud of? Like, I am so proud that we did this during, that I accomplished this. Like, is there anything you're particularly... Yeah, I'm really passionate about community health because when we started working on Fitworth Children's mm-hmm. Health and when we started working on the Blue Zones Project, Gallup Wellbeing surveys the top 185, 190 cities in the nation every year to see, runs a gamut from physical health to mental health to financial health to your satisfaction mm-hmm. with the community, uh, satisfaction with your leaders. And seven years ago, we were number 185 on the least healthy wow. in the Gallup Wellbeing poll. And last year, we were number 32. Wow. On the most healthy. Most healthy. Most healthy. That's an That's incredible, incredible jump. Incredible that is crazy. jump. <laughs> People's, you know, and that's coming out of COVID. And the cool thing is the nation's health has been declining and the mm-hmm. state of Texas declining. And we were going up. And during COVID, we didn't lose any ground. We didn't mm-hmm. e- escalate as much, but we stayed stable while the rest of the country went down. I'm, I'm incredibly proud of. And that run the gamut from putting in new sidewalks and street lights to make communities safe. Mm-hmm. to just opening parks, all kinds of stuff so that people feel good about where they're living. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and clearly, you know, you've got detractors and you've got haters who don't think you did enough in this one area or that. And yeah. I'd love to say you can make everybody happy, but I'm not that naive to think that yeah. you that, can. That, that's a good question. One of, one of my things I had is like the, the thick skin that you have to have. Whenever you do, like how much do you read like Facebook or Instagram or uh, newspaper articles of, of like opinion articles, opinion editorials, you know, like how often do you hear about those? Do you just get briefed on it? And like whenever they're negative press, it's like, do you just ignore it? Do you say, I'm moving on? Do you, like, how, how is that process? How do you internalize that? Yeah, how do you I, deal with it? I think you have to, you never want to be thick skinned. Okay. You want to learn to let things just slide off of you, but you okay. can't ever be thick skinned because then you're become callous. And if you're mm. callous, you've stopped being a good servant. Mm. That's um, good. That's a good. A lot of things. I I don't read a lot of Facebook posts. Sure. Because if you if you get in, dig in, and really look, it's the same small group. Yeah. Over and over, who are the haters and the trolls and things, and mm-hmm. you know they're certainly entitled to their opinion, and I get that, and and we would reach out and try to connect with them, but some of them you just never gonna mm-hmm. the anonymity of being behind a keyboard. Mm-hmm. They just do. But did you ever get just like beaten down? Like no, you, rarely. Rarely. I I think that most good leaders know that they're going to get challenged at okay. some point. And you, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. You listen twice as much as you speak (laughs) and you weigh your decisions out and you make them carefully and you feel good about your decisions. And the vast, if you know that the vast majority of people agree with that, it's easy to move on. You never want to say, 
I'm right all the time because you're not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've made decisions that I went, Mia Coppola, we're going to have to revisit that. It just wasn't right. We didn't have enough input. Mm. But you can't be, if you're a strong leader, you can't be second guessing everything that you do. Yeah. And you can't be doing decisions by consensus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, ha- If you're going to lead, you have to realize that at some point you have to make the decision, activate it and move on. Yep. Did you learn that? Like, was that a lesson you learned after a couple of years or, or did you go into it sort of mentally prepared for that? I, I think I went into it kind of mentally prepared. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd had 10 years in the tax office and 10 years, 20 years in other organizations. Shaking things up. You just gradually learn, you know, first your foot soldier and then you're the leader and you yeah. watch the people that you admire how they make decisions and you figure it out yeah mm. I, I i will say like i always thought man being mayor would be so fun this looks betsy oh, looks it, like half the time it is fun but boy but then 2020 it's not 2020 hit and i was like you could not pay me all the money in the world to be in your position 2020 was a trying year because it was such an unknown yeah and you're I and mean, you're, you're damned if you do and damned, damned if, you don't. if you do and damned if you it don't it was I, like you had to make some hard, we hard, made some hard, really hard decisions, and most of them were not popular, but they saved lives. Mm-hmm. They did, and we didn't make them in a vacuum. And we got great input, but you got to realize when this started, and we had mm-hmm. to shut businesses down, which was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Being a business owner and knowing all these businesses, that's just government shouldn't have shouldn't do that. But we didn't even remember have adequate testing. We couldn't tell you mm-hmm. who was likely to have it, what part of the city it was yep. in, was it in our schools, was it our kids, was it adults, how was it spread? Yep. I mean, they didn't even at first know how it was spread. And the recommendation and the governor and the president both, and, you know, Trump's a very conservative businessman too, yep. but was it shut down till we get them? We didn't have enough PPE for our hospitals. They didn't have enough gowns and gloves and masks and ventilators. We were on the verge of overwhelming the hospitals, and we didn't do it alone. It came down from the governor and mm-hmm. came to the county judge, and then we, of course, Fort Worth in four different counties, so that left the mayor to spread the one the order from Tarrant County into the and other counties. And everyone's looking at and you. Everybody's pointing everyone's at you. Looking yeah. at you. How, I mean, how, how? And they looked to us to. We did a Facebook Live every yeah. single day for mm-hmm. that. probably six months. But that was a neat way to just show up. People got to depend on it because it was just kind of no nonsense. Here's what we know today, folks. Yeah. I won't tell you we know everything. I won't tell you that what we told you yesterday hasn't changed today. Yeah. But I'll tell you what I know today. And we had medical professionals and the uh, health department professionals and business owners all with us to talk about it. And it was tough time. But you did know, you feel, I think did you if feel you just, the weight? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Did you that lose was, sleep? Yeah, I lost a lot of sleep. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can't. During that time, you just yeah. you just do. You know, you you just. But you go home and you're exhausted and you sleep yeah. anyway. <laughs> My staff did too. I mean, we we spent almost every day in the emergency operations center. And if you anyone that's been in the emergency operations center, it's the heartbeat of the operation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's pretty it's high intensity and high stress. Yeah. Because they're making life decisions based on what the hospitals can and can't do, what the state's going to recommend, what the Fed's going to tell you. And you may issue an order and an hour later they may change their mind. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, we had that happen. Yeah. 
Because you get, and a lot of people don't know that they're thinking, oh, well, the mayor's making all these decisions, and you're like, no, no this was a federal legislature, you know, this is a federal mandate mm -hmm. we have to do, mm -hmm. but you know, or it was a recommendation, and yeah, early a strong on, the very first time we shut down business. Um, we were the last to shut down businesses in Tarrant County, mm -hmm. and we were the first to reopen businesses. We just fought it as long as we could. Sure. Um, Dallas and Houston and Austin and San Antonio were already shut down. We were on the phone every morning with the uh, top Dallas, Houston, Austin, El Paso, San Antonio, and Fort Worth, mm -hmm. the mayors and then the county judges from those counties discussing it all. And, and we had the governor on most days or his uh, Tatum, Nim Kidd from Department of Emergency Management and, you know, got to question the recommendations. And at first they said, we're going to let the mayors make these and the county judges because in a, the county judge is actually the emergency director for the county. And then the mayor of the largest city is the assistant on it. Um and, you know, they said, we'll let you make the rec decisions, but here's the recommendations. And then very quickly they turned around and said, we're going to issue these statewide recommendations. Yeah, yeah. Just had to comply. Yeah. So I, I thought for sure after all of that, like I was like, she's got to be exhausted. She's not going to run. Okay. And you stepped down. And I was like, okay, this, Betsy's going to chill for a little bit. And you didn't, you chilled for about two or three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Before announcing that you're that you're running again, can you t talk a little bit about that and why? Yeah, uh, you know, I really thought that I was done, that I was ready to. You didn't. You didn't. Do you something. didn't know you were going to do that. I thought had thought about that uh -huh. because I didn't know what Judge Whitley was going to do, but I did know that if he stepped down, there was going to be a huge hole at the county, not just from the judge, but two commissioners are retiring. Yeah. And in two years, the other two commissioners will retire. County, And then Glenn announced he was retiring as county judge. County administrator hasn't said whether he's leaving or not, but he laughs and says, I'm not staying too long. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll have a new hospital director because Robert Early just announced his real key positions. There's, I think the paper said 66 years of institutional knowledge leaving the county. Mm -hmm. wow. uh, and so when Glenn called me and said, I'm going to step down and you are the logical choice to do this job. You have county experience. You have great administrative experience as mayor. You know, I, I just thought I've still got a passion to serve. Mm -hmm. I'm not done. I feel like there's a place. You felt like you weren't done. I felt like I wasn't done. Okay. I felt, And it wasn't just for me. I felt like I still had something to offer. Yeah. And, I, you know, I looked around at the field of people that were out there and thought, there's nobody here with any experience. Yeah. There's nobody here with any passion for this county. Mm -hmm. You To do this job, you've got to have a burning passion mm -hmm. about the place you live and the place you serve. And if you don't, it becomes drudgery. I mean, I've seen elected officials who were Hating lukewarm about yeah. things. And after six months or a year, they're kind of like, okay, I'm just treading water here yeah. because mm -hmm. they don't have the passion to do it. They don't have the passion to serve and they don't have a passion for the job they're doing. And I still have a passion and a fire to do it. And I looked at that and thought, I still have something to offer here. And hopefully the voters will think the same thing. Yeah, I, I am sure they will. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> I think, and I think that's you never take anything for granted. Yeah, that's something. To, there's something to be said about that. I mean, you know, if you're you're working your way from tax assessor to mayor, I mean, everybody's the, the next expectation is you're jumping to some sort of the next political hierarchy, and you're deciding that's not what I'm doing. I became to P serve. People thought you were going to do the K Granger. Yeah, people thought I was going to Washington or bare yep. minimum going to Austin sure. to, for a statewide office, and, and I've had the opportunity. I've been offered 
backers who said, we'll we'll back you in this because you ought to do it. But I don't want to leave Tarrant County and mm. Fort Worth. I love this region. This is home. I think nobody makes more, <laughs> excuse me, impact on people's lives than local government. Mm-hmm. You can serve in Washington, but they're very detached from local government. Yes, You can yeah. serve in Austin. They're probably a little closer, but they're still fairly detached. If you serve locally, you can change people's lives mm-hmm. for the better. If you had to give, and we, just a few more questions, but if you had to give, um, I, I feel like, you know, in order to join politics, you you have like people assume if I'm going to join politics, I either have to have a business or a lot of money to, no. to join it um, or I have to be in the crowd, in the know. I have to be, well, especially in Fort Worth, you know, I got to be born in that Fort Worth money, you know, the Fort Worth scene. Um, if you are giving some advice to, I mean, someone in their 20s, someone in their 30s that, you know, whether they're in a private industry or, or even in, you know, government, local government, like what is your advice to like someone that's wanting to get into politics? What, what is the wish you wish you would have known right before you, you know, taking that tax assessor spot? Is it, you need a drive and a heart? Like, is it like, I mean, cause it sounds like you kept on saying, you know, you have to have a heart for the city. You have to, I mean, you do. what is some of the, some of the other pieces of advice that you would give well, to I them? Well, I think first and foremost, you, you need to have a passion for mm-hmm. what you're doing. You need to know why you want to be engaged. Yeah. Do you want to be engaged to change one specific thing or do you want to be engaged to change the quality of life for your community to, or to keep it on the up, up? Do you want to bring more jobs in? Sure. What is it you're looking to do? Or do you just want to throw the bums that are serving out and start over with younger, fresher faces? And that's sometimes much needed. Sure. So I think that passion is key. And the other piece is, first and foremost, you better darn sure know who your current elected officials are <laughs> and uh-huh. what, what they do. You'd yeah. be shocked at the number of people you say, who's your school board member? I don't have a clue. Yeah. Well, who's the superintendent? They don't have a clue. Mm-hmm. Who's the county judge? Well, I don't know what the county judge does. Are they, are they judicial? No, it's an administrative position. Yeah. Who's your, you know, everybody will know the mayor. Mm-hmm. That's a given. In large cities, people are going to know their mayor. I mean, somebody told me years ago, said the two most recognizable people in the state are the mayors of the big city and the governor. Yeah. And that's true. I mean, I can go, but with TV and Facebook and everything, I can go all over this state. And people will know me. Yeah. I'm yeah. not patting myself on the back. They just do because just, you're exposed. Mm-hmm. But other often, you don't, you know, people don't know their council members in many cases. Sure. Find out who they are and follow them and see what kind of decisions they're making. Because if you don't get engaged, you don't have much voice. But first and foremost, you got to vote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And local yeah. elections turnout is often very low mm-hmm. and you really don't have a say so on what's happening if you don't vote. So you feel like you are able to and get Don't in... go vote just because your friend tells you who to vote for. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Or Facebook tells you mm-hmm. who to vote or your friends Find on Facebook. Out who they are. That's right. It's good because yeah, it feels like you you were able to get involved in, kind of indirectly almost, you know, from the tax assessor spot just because of your career. You already knew what your passion was and and uh, it was an it was a not easy leap, but it's seemingly easily easy leap for you. Um, well, it, it's it's never easy, but anything worth doing is not easy. You guys know that. Yeah, that is true. All it's all it's all hard. Yeah. It's all hard. It's all, can any but other? It, but we wouldn't be we wouldn't be strong people if we tackled no, all the you, easy projects. It makes, it makes you, you stronger. It, can you talk, like I wanted to ask you about that? So, 
the, the struggle, the hard, the challenges, when things go wrong, are generally when you learn. Those are yeah. those are when yeah. you learn and get better and grow. Yeah, Can, good leaders are, are not afraid of failure because I always tell people, if you haven't had a failure recently, then you're not doing enough. You are not trying enough. Amen and that. that failure ought to be your learning opportunity. There's no winning or losing. There's only winning and learning. Can you talk about some of the things you learned? Like some of the, these are some big lessons that, that – changed the way I think or how I lead or what I do, like just lessons coming out of, you know, these five to like, yeah, I mean, first you got, you got to know people, you got to, you got to be out talking to people and finding what that your, your direction is maybe not what the direction of the the group you're going to lead really needs. You have to find Mm -hmm. out what that group wants and you got to be willing to listen to everybody. You can't be just on one side of the game and expect everybody to accept it. You have to, you know, clearly you lean left or you lean right, but you're going to get input from all over and you're mm-hmm. never going to change your core values. You shouldn't mm-hmm. ever change your core values, but you do have to listen to people mm-hmm. and you have to give credence to what they're telling you when you make decisions. And and it, and it's not it's just not done in a vacuum. Nothing you do if you're leading is going to be done in a vacuum. And mm-hmm. don't be afraid to take chances and don't be afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. You know, you just you just have to be bold enough to know that you're going to fall flat on your face and people are going to laugh at several yeah. times and you just get up, join the laughter and go on. Yeah. That's good. And it's not personal. I mean, there's an old adage, it's not personal, it's business. Well, it's not personal, it's it's politics or it's service. And you can't, if you take everything personal, you'll never get anywhere. Yeah. You just won't because you just, people want to make stuff too personal, particularly today with social media. Mm-hmm. It gets oh, real personal. And don't read all that stuff all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't, don't let it eat you up. Don't let it eat you. Do you do you have any like core values as a person or as a family or like when you were, were made like you mentioned your core values like do you have like these are things I say all the time or some of my values are? Well, I, first and foremost, my family is most important, and I'm always going to make. I, I I never have regretted mm-hmm. not doing some occasion if I was had a family function. Okay. I've never f- failed to put my family first and missed things and regretted it because I put my family first. And I never mm-hmm. will. Yeah. You have to take time f- for your family. Yeah. And you have to take time for your faith. Yeah. You got to have a faith, no matter what, how you worship or what you do. You got to have faith mm-hmm. of some sort. Yeah. Those are the real core values. And then the other core value is I don't believe government can do everything for you. I think that people yeah. have to do it. Mm. Government should be there only to facilitate what citizens and business need, not to run your life. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally, smaller government is always going to be the best. Communities with smaller government that are there to help you, that are listening to your ideas, not pushing them down from their side, mm-hmm. really is what this country's founded on. Mm. And it's, it's always about service before self. Mm-hmm. You know, my, if I taught my children nothing else, I hope they learned that. I am sure, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I think they you don't exemplified, like me for yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure you exemplified that. Um, well, I was going to say thank you for coming on and yeah. sharing time. We know you got other other podcasts and meetings to do. It's okay. you're, Y'all you're are delightful. Going. Y'all are easy anyway. Yeah. We, we, just yeah. friends. Well, we just, we wanted to, I mean, we want to ask those questions and, and get to know you in another way that ho- hopefully ask you some questions that you don't get to answer a lot. Yeah. Um, here's some side that, that not, not many people get to hear. You make me so, think. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that's what we hope to do. Is, uh, 
I'm gonna, uh, one, we, we always ask this. Just yeah. we always ask about legacy. Like, like, what do you, you know, 10, 15 years from now? And I know, and we've talked a lot, a lot about this stuff. You're very proud of because yeah. you have a lot of legacy. You've shaped this been city in a I've been blessed giant yeah. way. Do you, when you think about that though, like, what, like, what does that mean to you? Your, your legacy. Like, what do you really want? You know, somebody to asked me that the other day. What do you want to be remembered for? Mm-hmm. I, I really want to be remembered as being the people's mayor. As being mm-hmm. someone who cared deeply mm-hmm. about the people and was willing to get out and talk to them all and listen to them. Yeah. I think Bob Bolin was the last really strong mayor that we had. We've had strong mayors since then, but he mm-hmm. was the last one who really connected mm-hmm. in the community that people said, you know, Bob is my mayor. Mm-hmm. I mean, people of every walk of life thought Bob was theirs. And I I really would like to be remembered as being the one that cared about the people. Mm -hmm. I think I think you will. I I, like I I remember just maybe it was in your first or second term, just especially my neighborhood, which is like I'm in Fairmount, which is politically. Yeah, very active. (laughs) Very very active, but I like. And very diverse. Very diverse. But just you were doing these the bike things on Magnolia and just like. Everyone knew you and loved you, and it, it was just—it really sh- it changed the game. It went from sort of this like, I don't know. I, I always wanted to be the one that that I could go to people mm-hmm. and connect with them, and not people feel like they had to get permission to come to me. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's the way your public service people are. It's a, pro- a proactiveness. It's a proactiveness. Yeah. yeah. That's neat. Besides, all those people you meet make your life so much richer, mm-hmm. so much more interesting. Yeah. To think about all the characters I've met and all the text messages I still get from some of them, you know. Uh-huh. One of them, you know, that my kids just still think is hilarious was Russ Martin. The oh, shock really? Jock. Yeah. And Russ was yeah. got, and I got to be really close friends and... <laughs> He called me Mama Bear. And oh, really? I miss Russ terribly. <laughs> yeah. And people still say, oh, my gosh, I loved it when you were on the Russ Martin show because you and he just went at each other all the time. Oh, my and, gosh. He's but a character. It, I mean, he was quite a character. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very out, off the wall, but oh, yeah. great guy with a huge heart. Yeah. That's awesome. That's right. He did. He did. Well, well, thank you for doing this. You are inspiring. <laughs> we're excited for the next season. Thank you. The, the, what, what's coming next, uh, which the future Tarrant County judge. I'm just going to speak that in, into uh, existence. existence. Mm-hmm. I, be- I believe it. But it, it's it's been just a, a, a pleasure to just be on the sidelines, just just well, seeing you. you seeing you go and cheering you on. And, and you have made our city a special place. Mm-hmm. It always has been, but I yeah. feel like you, you the truly put your heart and soul into it and have, have shaped what Fort Worth is today. Fort Worth's a city of, of character, mm-hmm. made up of great characters, and I think sometimes I'm the biggest character to budge. <laughs> That's awesome. I like it. Well, well thank, thank you all. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. It's been great fun. I appreciate being with you. Yeah. Now get engaged. Yeah, that's right. Congratulations, you made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Stories with Soul. If you enjoyed the interview and like what you heard, please help us out and share, subscribe, and like anywhere you listen to podcasts. When you share and subscribe, it is insanely helpful and allows us to keep producing new episodes. You can always join us directly in the studio by watching the video version on our website, 6thavstorytelling.com. Stories with Soul is brought to you by 6th Ave Storytelling, an organic marketing company 
building standout brands on the foundation of story. You're obsessed with your business and we want to make the world obsessed with it too. Thanks for listening.